This is Auto Line This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. Auto Line This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, I'm John McElroy, and welcome to AutoLine This Week. If you're in the market for a new car, or maybe you're thinking about getting out a loan to get one, maybe you're thinking about leasing, or have you ever considered taking a subscription service? We're going to get into that today because I've got the CEO of a new startup called Autonomy that is offering subscription services. Scott Painter is the CEO and co-founder of the company, and Scott, it's great to see you again. Nice to see you, John. And before we get going into autonomy, I should let the audience know you're the proverbial serial entrepreneur. You started True Car and you've been involved in a lot of other efforts. Todd, what made you think that you had to get into yet another startup, this one called Autonomy? Well, you know, I think great entrepreneurs, great companies solve a particular problem. Uh, I've been focused on trying to make buying and owning a car easier using technology for my entire career. It seems like, um, you know, all of these companies have really been focused on that same mission. So let's get into subscription services. And for for viewers who are not familiar with that, what is a subscription service when it comes to a car? Sure. Uh, A subscription is very similar to an open-end lease. Um, It means that you get to have access to the vehicle, use it like it's your car, but you're not making a fixed-term commitment to that vehicle. And I think you know, one of the things that I recognized when we were trying to build companies that really were helping consumers to get more educated was that we needed to go further into the transaction. And the beauty of a subscription is you're not buying the car. And because you're not buying the car, the process is completely on your phone and your entire contract is right there in front of you. Uh, it's vaulted on your phone. So there's no back and forth. There's no triplicate. There's no offline signatures. And interestingly, because we're also not fixing you to a term, you're not borrowing money. So there's no interest rate. It doesn't show up on your credit report as debt. You can pay for it with your credit card. So there's a lot of things about a subscription that really are part of the solution that enable a purely digital experience. I've been part of this movement in the industry over the last 25 to 30 years to try to figure out how to make a transaction truly digital. And whether it's a car loan or a traditional car lease, which is really deemed as fixed term debt, it is not the same thing at all. It, It really does enable this magical digital experience. And it's very fast. Um, you know, when you sign up for a subscription, um, and, Maybe the easiest way to sort of give you an analogy is, you know, when we all see these scooters around town where people are riding the scooters, the way you do it is you simply walk up to the scooter, you scan the app, you install the app on your phone, and the app then requires that you provide a driver's license and a credit card. That is exactly what you're going to do with an autonomy subscription. What we've decided to focus on that's a little bit different is electric cars. Our fundamental belief is that we're going to be driving electric. The industry has really embraced that idea. I think that when Tesla went to a trillion-dollar market cap with the Hertz order of 100,000 vehicles, uh, that really did reflect a tipping point in terms of consumer perspective, industry perspective. And it's not as though um, one or two OEMs have said, we're going to make an electric car. Every OEM has said, we're going all electric. And that's a really big deal because you've not only got a really big incumbent group of dealers and, and, um, and manufacturers that are so focused on the internal combustion vehicle and that amortization of the investment that's been made in that infrastructure over a long, long time, 
all that has to be abandoned to say we're going to go all electric is a really big, you know, sort of transformational moment. And that decision, I think, presents an entirely new set of issues for the industry in terms of not just how are we going to drive that vehicle, but um, how are we going to insure it, maintain it, repair it? How are we going to make sure that they've got enough charge? There is a lot of attendant issues with going electric, but I think many of those, as we'll talk about today, are answered by subscriptions, which tend to be just a much more um, modern contract and certainly consistent with being digital. So, and you said a mouthful there, and I want to get into more of the details, but let's say I want to subscribe to a car from you. Uh, I have to make a commitment for some amount of time or how does that all work? So it's a month to month program, but you do have a three month minimum. What we really want to discourage is people thinking of subscriptions like a rental car because we're not a rental car. We don't have the rental car infrastructure. We want people to keep the car for a flexible term because that's more consistent with modern life. And, you know, if you think about how our program is priced, we're currently, if we were thinking about it on a daily basis, we'd be about $21 a day. A rental of a Tesla Model 3, for example, is a little over $100. So we're not just a little bit cheaper than a rental car. We're about five times cheaper than a rental car. So we do have to have some kind of a financial hurdle to staying with that car for longer than a week or two weeks. So let's say I sign up for three months and decide a couple of months into it, nah, I, I don't want to continue. What happens then? You simply return the car. And again, because it's not credit, it's not going to show up that you defaulted on a car loan. You know, Hyundai came out with a program almost, uh, you know, two decades ago, around 1999. There was this program where, you know, you could basically get the car and if you lose your job, you could go ahead and return the car. There, there was this idea that you're not going to be married to that car and it's not going to affect your credit in a negative way. That was really the precursor to what we're doing here. This gives you the ability to say, you know, I'm a college student. I'm working in another city. I'm in the military. I'm going to have to go on deployment. There are so many cases in modern life where flexible need for a vehicle is real for a shorter period of time. And it's also a period of time that we don't know going into it. So this really gives you that ability to drive the vehicle. And then when you're simply done with it, you return the vehicle. And again, you pay upfront and as you go. So it's not like a car loan in, the, in that sense. And so um, it, it also doesn't get treated like a car loan. So uh, I'm sure everybody watching now wants to know they're interested. What's it cost? Sure. We have an entry-level program. So let's just talk about our launch vehicle. We decided to launch with the Tesla Model 3. Um, our belief is that that particular vehicle is sort of this generation's Prius. It's being made at mass production levels in excess of 500,000 Model 3s were made last year. They're gonna make a little over 650,000 this year. So that is just by itself standing still more than 65 or 70% of the entire electric car market. The Model Y is right behind it. And so is that being added to our program. So the Model 3 is 490 a month, 4,900 down. So it's very much similar to a modern lease. The cap cost reduction in a modern lease is about 10 monthly payments. We have a start fee that represents about that same thing. However, one thing that does make the autonomy subscription unique is that we allow you to customize your monthly payment for any number up to $1,000 a month. So you can dial your monthly payment from $490 up to $1,000. And then the start fee, which starts at $4,900, comes down to as low as $1,000. So we have a lot of customers who choose $490, $4,900. And a lot of customers who choose a thousand, a thousand, and it really doesn't matter. But what we do see is a really interesting pattern emerging where the customers who choose a thousand, a thousand tend to have higher credit, better liquidity, 
And they're also customers who say they're waiting for their car to be produced. The average wait time for a Tesla Model 3 right now is about nine to 12 months. There's a 75,000 person wait list on that car. And even though Tesla is making them in very large numbers, it does taking, the, uh, taking them some time to get that car. So those, those customers are coming into a subscription. We also see a lot of customers who are a little bit fearful of range anxiety or the you know the uh, charging infrastructure or battery issues and what we're really starting to see is that a lot of this really just is a fear you know when we first started the electric car revolution um, with tesla for example we thought we were going to just see stranded tesla drivers all over the highway where they were just running out of electricity everywhere and that's just not happened i think the cars are very good at letting you know when they need a charge they tell you even where to go to get that charge but level one, level two, and level three charging is still a really emerging thing. If you look at California, for example, where there are four times more electric vehicle registrations than any other state, we now have level three fast charging, that DC fast charging that can get a 250-mile charge in about 30 minutes within 10 miles of every Californian. So it is going to be a real case of chicken or the egg where you see electric vehicle registrations follow with that level three charging system and network. Tesla's really leading the way, but you know, one of the things I just learned is that all of the Tesla supercharger stations are now interoperable and they will allow you to charge other vehicles other than just Tesla. They've even got the adapters right there, but 85% of people who buy an electric car are still level one charging they just simply get the converter that comes with the car they plug it into a 110 outlet they get between 20 and 30 miles per night i think a subscription is another perfect use case for you know range anxiety you can give it a try see if you like it and see if it's really a fear or if it's a real problem for you if you don't have level two or level three charging in your immediate area then it might not be yet time for you to go electric yeah. So back to the cost. If I don't want to put anything down, it's going to cost me a thousand a month or I can start to put down payments down and and reduce my monthly charge. But what's that include? I mean, uh, service maintenance. Uh, does it include insurance or anything like that? Yeah. So um, title registration, maintenance, repair and roadside assistance are all included at no charge. We, of course, um, have to charge you tax. One of the great benefits though of a subscription is that like a lease, you don't have to pay tax up front. So when you get the vehicle, you're not paying tax, but you do pay a use tax on a monthly basis. And so all of those fees get bundled into your monthly payment. We are right now allowing our customers to put our car on their own insurance policy, similar to how a lessee would put a lessor on their insurance policy. That's how we launched our program. However, we will be launching this summer month-to-month -month auto insurance, which allows our customers to buy directly from us a month-to-month -month auto policy, which makes it so they don't have to go and make an annual commitment. The reason you've got to be legally insured to drive a car on public roads, we can't put you in the car without insurance. So putting you or putting our car on your insurance is step one. Step two is offering a month-to-month -month program that precludes you from having to step up to that annual commitment. And then step three, and this is really cool, John, because we're connected to the car, we're going to allow you to have daily auto insurance. If you don't move the car, you don't get charged for insurance. You're going to have three choices in your insurance based on your level of risk. It'll be the you know low deductible um, with a little bit higher level of coverage at the high end, and it will be maybe a higher deductible with you know sort of the minimum level of coverage on the low end. But if you drive the car, you'll get billed three, five, or seven dollars a day. 
So instead of having to come out of pocket for multi-thousands of dollars for an insurance policy, for the first time, you'll be able to get episodic daily auto insurance. That's that's pretty unique. I've never heard of that before. That's pretty good. Uh, so how's it going and who are your customers? So we've been building the platform for the last two years. And, you know, my partner and I, George Bauer, started FAIR, which was the first used vehicle subscription program. And the things that we learned in building that program in order to get that to scale where we had nearly 100,000 activations in the first two years is that this is not a traditional auto purchasing program. It's not a subprime auto program. What we found is that, and especially as we move up scale with the electric cars, the average cap cost of these cars for us is about $50,000, is that we've got a 730 average FICO score. We've got a near prime customer. So we're really focused on that 640 to 7.30 range. Um, it doesn't mean that prime customers aren't gonna use this. There's a lot of value propositions to what we're doing. The big ones are that it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier. Um, I think that we're, we're looking at customers with an average income of about $150,000. We launched the program to the public here in Southern California at the end of January this year. So we've been out there for about five months. In that time, we've already amassed a fleet of nearly a thousand cars. So we buy cars as customers show up. And one of the cool things about electric is that wait lists have emerged as really the signal of, a, of demand. And just like buying an electric car, we have a wait list as well. We can't really keep up with demand. So we're already at, at a point where we've got about 30,000 app installs, about 1,000 qualified paying reservation holders. We're delivering at this point nearly 10 to 15 cars every single day. And that's really the pace at which the business has grown. And for us, it's really about building those, you know, key performance indicators that lead to the demand signal. Right now, there's only three ingredients for our business, demand, supply, and we need capital to buy the cars. We operate um, a little bit differently than a traditional car dealer or a traditional manufacturer or even a traditional finance company. We own the cars. And because we own the cars, we're a fleet operator. That means that we can also handle much of what people find distasteful about buying and owning a car. We handle title, registration, all of the maintenance, everything is included with that car. And so when you get the vehicle, you don't have to manage any of those things. It's simply effectively rented to you or subscribed to you and you're driving our vehicle. And if the car has any need for maintenance whatsoever or roadside assistance, you simply in the app, let us know. We deploy a roadside assistance team. We also have a crash app. So if you have an accident of any kind, everything is done there. There's no need for offline paperwork at all. Scott, as you know, if you go back about five, six years ago, subscription services was all the buzz in the industry. A number of automakers made a run at it. Uh, Mercedes, Cadillac, Porsche, Volvo. Most of them have fallen by the wayside. Not all. I think Porsche and Volvo are still operating. But one of the things that they ran into at the dealer level was managing their inventory. You know, you could sign up for a subscription service that would allow you to pretty much take any vehicle in the brand anytime you wanted it. But that meant the dealer had to have all these vehicles sitting around waiting for somebody to come use it or, or not use it, which adds costs. How do you get around this problem? Well, so first of all, um, most of the manufacturer subscription programs really proved out one point, which is subscriptions are really a phenomenal platform on which to reset the customer experience. 
I think that all the subscription programs, whether it was Book or Care by Toyota, I mean, you had all these great innovative ideas. And when OEMs jump into a space as aggressively as they did with subscriptions, you know that there's something there. The problem with the OEM subscription programs is that they were simply slotted into another flavor of a lease. And when you go ahead and you take a fixed term lease with a 36 month commitment and you compare it to a subscription with an open-ended term, presumably a shorter term, you're going to have a higher monthly payment. And so the real trick in doing this is you got to understand that that car has to work over the course of multiple subscribers. And, you know, the, the reference you just made is to um, uh, the, the Porsche program in, in, in the sense that Porsche has this, this really cool value proposition of you get to drive any car in the lineup, which meant that dealers had to have every car lit at every time. And if the customer wanted to return that car, it's sort of like turning their entire inventory into a rental car fleet. And that was never really the intention behind subscriptions. Subscriptions are about two things, better asset utilization over time and, and a customer for life. So that car really does have to work for three to four to five years to get that depreciation and that use to really align with that, you know, sort of that, that use case. And in a subscription like the one that we offer, we have that wait list. So there is no value proposition that you're going to get a brand new car. It just so happens that because we're early in our process, we are filling this with new cars. We're already start, starting to talk with other manufacturers outside of the Tesla lineup. As we go from Tesla Model 3 to the Tesla Model Y and the presumably other Tesla models, we're also talking with the new entrants, whether it's Polestar, Lucid, Rivian, Fisker, and there are many others. And then we're also talking with the incumbent OEMs, which are pretty wonderful because they have existing fleet programs. They also have dealer networks that can support these cars out in the wild. And so while the direct-to-consumer manufacturer models that are emerging on the electric car side, that are new entrants, are different, it doesn't mean that we don't like them both. And I think that what we need to be mindful of is we always want to have a wait list. What we do not is we, we're not a rental car company. We do not want to have a you know, garage somewhere filled with cars waiting to be subscribed to. The real key to this business model is put the car behind or you know, put the car with a customer who's going to treat it nicely, a good well, you know, customer that pays their bills, let them drive the car. When that car comes home, that car goes into rotation, goes back into the queue to be matched up with demand. And again, as long as we've got plenty of customers and we don't have enough cars, that's going to be a good outcome. Hmm. So right now you're in Southern California. What are your plans for the future? Well, the three areas for us to grow are clearly geographic expansion. As we, when we launched, we got a lot of media coverage. It turns out that over half of our inter, inbound interest was coming from Northern California. So we just went ahead and opened up to all of California. We're now delivering cars not only to the Bay Area, but to Sacramento and even farther north in California, down to San Diego. So we are statewide in California today. And that's partly driven, driven by the fact that the laws that govern auto retail, auto finance are all state by state laws. And so we didn't have to change anything in our contract to go from Southern California to Northern, Northern California. One of the cool things about electric cars is they tend to be more connected. They tend to be more technology driven and um, a little bit more autonomous. Um, we're looking forward to a day here where rather than actually delivering the car, the car will drive itself up to your driveway lock itself and wait for you to come out and light it up with a QR code in your phone. Um, I think that 
uh, as, as we're building that geographic expansion will then also follow EV registrations. We're looking at Southern Florida. We're looking at the, um, you know, uh, Washington tri-state market, Texas, Arizona, Nevada, Washington state. These are really big areas for, um, you know, electric vehicle registration. So we're going to follow that lead. We're going to look where the customers are that are buying electric cars today. We think those are the markets that we're going to expand into next. From there, it's going to be about broadening the lineup. There are 38 different make model trims of car that have already been announced for the next two years. That's going to be an exciting time to be a consumer. You know, GM has, um, you know, whether it's the Cadillac Lyric or the Hummer EV or the uh, Equinox, the Blazer, the Silverado, you've got Ford with the F-150 Lightning, the best-selling vehicle in the world going all electric. I think that it's going to be a pretty exciting time to think about what you want to drive and drive, drive electric. Um, the third area for us to grow is going to be product line expansion. So as I mentioned, we're going to be getting into that usage-based insurance that requires that we become a captive. Right now, we are setting up the MGA to be able to do the month-to-month auto insurance product. So we will be representing another insurance underwriter's product that's tailored for us, but it's not our risk. That third phase is going to involve being a captive and being you know, sort of in a novel space with respect to our auto insurance and it being part of your monthly payment. So that's our you know, sort of narrative for growth. It's geographic product and product line expansion. Scott, what have you learned so far? What are your customers telling you? What What is, you know, put a smile on your face and what set your hair on fire? Well, I think that, you know, the biggest barrier to electric adoption is physics. You can't drive what isn't being made. Um, there is so much more demand for electric than people realize. You've got 1.6 billion non-electric cars on planet Earth. Um, I'm a student of the used car market. I think it's been pretty interesting to watch what's been happening with the scarcity of used cars and all of the external factors that have taken new car demand and shifted it to the used car market. Um, I think that we're very encouraged by the fact that there is such a small population of used electric cars. There's going to be scarcity in that market for a very long time. And it's not just Tesla. It's going to be anybody who makes an electric car is going to be producing an asset that is going to have a very strong, almost abnormal residual value for decades, simply because there are not enough, given that the whole industry is shifting to go electric. And that, I think, encourages us. You know, we're a structured asset finance business. I go out and have to raise a lot of money to buy these cars. And if those cars were depreciating more aggressively than their uh, you know, internal combustion engine counterparts, that would be a problem for us. Yeah. Uh- What's your uh, sense of uh, the market right now in the sense that interest rates are going up very strongly. Uh, Inflation has very much impacted uh, the prices of cars. In many cases, retail franchise dealers are charging well over MSRP. Does this affect your business or does this open the door for you? Well, you know, you're talking about some pretty powerful forces, whether it's, you know, um, inflation, scarcity, um, supply chain issues, production issues on the new car side, the fact that you know electric cars are beginning to surge, certainly range anxiety, battery issues are a big problem. I think affordability is the biggest issue. And when you have interest rates rising, I mean, almost all of our cycles in the car business have been interest rate driven around some kind of a black swan event over the last hundred years. So I think it is a very powerful thing to, to watch. Um, I'm actually very, very um, concerned about something else. I think that if you think about the scarcity, which is what drives supply demand equilibrium, and ultimately what drives the market clearing price of a used car, 
almost everything we've seen in the market to date about used vehicle scarcity has been driven on the demand side, meaning consumers have decided to drive a used car because they couldn't find the new car that they were looking for. That's created more demand in the used car market than there is supply. And supply in the used car market today is 42% driven by lease returns. In March of 2023, we're going to take a pause on lease returns for about nine to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have all of a sudden a supply side or a supply driven scarcity issue compounding the demand driven issues around scarcity. I think that we're going to see something that we've never seen before in the used car market. And if, you know, sort of analysts and people watching the economy are using the used car market as a canary in the mine around, are we experiencing inflation? Are we okay as an economy? What's about to happen is very terrifying. I think it's, you know, a good sign for going electric. I think all of these things, we could not have asked for a market where consumers are now having to put 10 to 15 times more cash into their gas tank than to drive electric. You know, I, I drive a, a car that just based on how much I drive and, and what I drive, I'm putting almost $6,000 a month into my gas tank. Um, I could be driving those same, same miles for $600 um, if I was driving electric. That is a really, really big financial motivation for people to go electric. And I think that all of these things compounding is a good thing for us in terms of where we're at. I'm encouraged by our business. I'm terrified for the economy and what's about to happen. And I think that you know, we are so far being very reactive to a lot of these factors. I think what's about to happen structurally, though, is not something that most people are looking at. Wow. Scott, boy, you sure gave us an earful there. It's going to be fascinating to watch. As, I think as long as you can get cars, you're going to have a lot of demand for it. But with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, very interesting what you're doing with autonomy. I'm going to keep a close eye on it because I've been watching your other businesses in the past and You've always done very interesting things. So thanks for coming on AutoLine this week. John, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. AutoLine this week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.